Hey, would you open your Bibles to Proverbs uh, chapter 1, uh, verse 8. And before we get into the Word uh, this morning, just wanted to give a brief update. I don't know if you noticed, but I'm not wearing a cast anymore. Thank you, Jesus. But I do have a pretty mean uh, battle scar over here. And also, uh, it's been a month, but I'm able to finally wear my wedding ring this past week. And no more swollen fingers, and I'm back to um, having use of my hands again, my left hand. So thank you for your prayers. And it's so good to be back to share with you the Word of God. Now, the book of Proverbs, which contains 31 chapters, we have to remember that these are a collection of sayings, that these are principles to live by, that these aren't promises. It's, these are not sure ironclad guarantees, right? It's, this is not like the law of, from Genesis, Exodus, uh, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, like the fir- first five chapters, that these aren't like as, as surely as the Lord lives, right? And these aren't even uh, prophecies, right, where, where God reveals himself and he declares what he's going to do. But um, Proverbs, they're just short, um, pithy, concise um, wisdom or life principles that we are to live by. And um, it's, uh, it's in Hebrew poetry, and there's a, a rhythm and a rhyme to it in the original language. And if you think of aphorisms, we, um, aphorisms are observations that contain a, that contain a truth. Meaning, uh, what's an example of one? If it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? An apple a day keeps the doctor away. And... Uh, Speaking of aphorisms, uh, there's a story about a woman who was watching uh, Dr. Phil. And Dr. Phil gave the wisdom that, uh, hey, if you want to achieve joy and inner peace in life, it's, it's to finish all the things that you haven't started, that you've started, but you have never finished it. So she looks around her house sees all the things that she started, but she didn't finish, but she wanted to have joy and inner peace. So before leaving house, her house that morning, she finished off a bottle of Merlot, a bottle of Zinfandel, a bottle of Bailey's Irish cream, a bottle of Kahlua, a package of Oreos, a half bag of Doritos, her old uh, Prozac description that wasn't completely finished, and the rest of the cheesecake from last night. And boy, does she have inner peace. <laughs> now, uh, this is not obviously what Dr. Phil meant, right? It's what he meant was, if you want to have inner peace, hey, the things that have been nagging at you, you started school, you should probably finish it, you know, or uh, you started on a project, your shed or your backyard, get it done. But besides the point, uh, the book of Proverbs, in Proverbs chapter 1, uh, Solomon talked about the beginning of wisdom. And specifically, what we want to talk to us about this morning is in the company of wisdom, which is uh, like choosing carefully who we surround ourselves with and choosing our friends. All right. And let's go ahead and turn to our text in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8. It says this, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, 
for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. Verse 11, if they say, come with us, let us lie in wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill all our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us. We will have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths, for their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird, but these men lie in wait for their own blood, but they set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away life of its possessors. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Now, remember last week where uh, Solomon says the beginning or the start of wisdom is when we fear God. When we have a healthy fear, not trembling, not in terror, but a healthy fear of who God is, that we have to give an account, that we are not the center of the universe. You and I, we're not the masters of our own destiny. We're not the captains of our own ship, but God is holy and He's in control of all things. And our very next breath comes from Him when we understand and we submit ourselves to Him, when we allow Him to um, rule over us the kingdom of God and we choose um, His sovereignty, not our autonomy, guess what? That is when wisdom begins. When we realize what, that we are but mere mortals, that there is a God who has no, um, no beginning, who has no end, who is just is and who is just was. And when we begin to live in that light that there is a God who is holy, 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 and we submit ourselves to Him, then we begin to make right choices in life. Remember the word chachma, uh, wisdom, means that it is a, a skill. In Exodus 31, it talks about the, the painters and the artisans that they had skill to build stuff. They did stuff. They had... Um, uh, artistry and, and craftsmanship to build stuff for the temple. And the word there for skill is, is wisdom. So wisdom then, it's a life skill to have. It's not just street smarts. It's not just smart, it's street smarts. It's not just um, knowledge, but it's knowledge applied. And so Solomon, he starts off with, you know, the fear of the Lord is wisdom, right? And then immediately after that, from verse 7 to verse 8, he talks about, hey, heed my call, listen to my teaching, specifically what? If sinners entice you, do not go in the way with them. Meaning, hey, one of the first examples and the first areas where we can be wise is who we hang out with, who we spend our time with, who we connect with who we share our life with and do life with. And it says that, you know what? Don't hang out with them. Don't be greedy for 
unjust gain. Don't join in violence. Don't join in their plot to, to steal, to lie, to cheat, to finagle your way around just for the quick buck and just for uh, covetousness. He says, don't join them. It reminds us of proverb of Psalm 1, right? Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. You see that? Stand, sit, um, and walk like the way. Don't do life with those who are not following Jesus with all their hearts, right? Because ultimately they are going to affect you. And here's my main point that I want us to walk away with this morning. It's this: the careful selection of your friends will inevitably shape your future. Let me repeat that. The careful selection of your friends will inevitably shape your future. In other words, the selection of your company will shape your character. Let me repeat that. Your selection, who you choose to be around with, your company, they will inevitably... Oh, they will ultimately shape your character. Pastor Craig Rochelle says it this way, show me your friends and I will show you your future. The people that you're hanging out with now, today are shaping the person that you will become tomorrow. And the Bible makes it clear in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be misled. Don't get it twisted. Don't be deceived. Bad company, bad friends, it corrupts, it destroys what? Good character. In other words, man, you know, it, it doesn't matter how well-meaning you are. It doesn't matter if your heart is in the right place. If you choose to surround yourself, if you choose to have um, ungodly, sinful, wicked friends that do wrong in the eyes of God, it will affect, it will inevitably shape you. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Look at Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. It says this, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm surround yourself church surround yourself with people that you aspire to be with exemplars in the faith no matter what walk you are in life um, what, what field you you are in your career surround yourself as a christ follower of people that you look up to dr bobby clinton who for almost 40 years faithfully taught at Fuller Theological Seminary and really specialized and studied in leadership, studied thousands or no, decades of uh, people all, all throughout the Bible knowing what leaders are. He came up with this thing called the Leadership Constellation. And I'll show you a clip here. And it basically says that we as leaders, because we're influencers, right? that we influence other people, that we need to surround ourselves with 
these types of mentors. The first is upward mentor, which is you receive from mature mentors, okay? And secondly is downward mentors that you pour into, you invest and you mentor others who are less mature. And then he says this, that you surround yourselves with external peer mentors, that you, you, there's people that are in your organization, in your work, in your company, um, in your life stage, that know the inside scoop of what's really happening, that could speak into your life, but also surround yourself external peer that are outside of your organization, that is from a different place or from a different organization so that they could bring perspective to where you're at. May I encourage you, like, have a vision of who God has called you to be. Have a vision of, man, Lord, this is um, who you made me to be. This is the life experience. You know, look, you look at shape, S-H-A-P. What are you, look at your spiritual gifts. Look at your heart, all right? Look at your, just your attitude. Look at your personality. Look at your experience of everything that you've gone through. It's like, Lord, in everything that you, you've fearfully and wonderfully made me, you've, you've made me, you formed my inward parts. This is how you made me. And I want everything that you called me to be. I want to fulfill, just like David, that David served the purpose of God in his generation. Then he went to sleep. It's like, Lord, I want everything that you have for me. And the only way that that could happen is that if we surround ourselves with um, godly people, if we surround ourselves with Christ followers. And for me, what that looks like is that I have an upward peer that uh, at least quarterly, if not every month, I make a con I call another pastor who's about 10 years uh, older than me, who's been in the ministry longer than me, who has adult uh, children now, who respect him and, and serve the Lord, and I connect with him. Another person is, you know, my dad. Like We talk almost every day. He's retired now, but uh, just to see his life, that he's going to be married to my mom for 50 years in ministry, been a pastor, um, no hint of misconduct or uh, any allegations, no lived above reproach for almost 40 years. And during that time, you know, it's like, Dad, if you had to do it all over again, what would you do different? It's like, how would you raise, you know, what would you do in this example? And, and to be able to raise, you know, uh, two pastors who love the Lord and serve and a lawyer and a school teacher and have grandkids that love God, it's, it's like, man, you're living the dream. But... I surround myself with upward mentors of people that have more wisdom and experience for me that I could learn and I could grow and that I, I take on the role of a, of, um, of a student. And uh, I, I follow a, a Jedi, quote-unquote, right? And then I surround myself with those that I could pour into downward mentors. Um other youth leaders that um, I invest in. And then I surround myself with other pastors once a month and we talk, we have a good time in 
my bubble but also outside of my bubble and all that to say is that um, have a, a vision of who am I becoming what I aspire and I you know what let me say this is that define success and success is not about winning quote-unquote in life it's not about how many cars you have and how big your house is and how much zeros you have in your bank account and how successful and wealthy you are but what what is success you know success like faithfulness what does Eugene Peterson say um, obedience uh, faithfulness is what a long obedience in the same direction that is success that is fruitfulness that people that have a track record of of following Jesus that have uh, stayed in the straight and narrow road now you might ask yourself like hey uh, you know what John aren't you being a little bit legalistic here and don't you have like a pharisaical tendency I mean didn't Jesus hang out with sinners uh, I mean, he was labeled as he was a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yes, Jesus was friends with them, but he did not fully entrust himself to them. Jesus had this concert, concentric circle, meaning a circle within a circle within a circle within a circle. That he had the crowd, he had his community, but he had his disciples. He had the twelve, then he had the three, then he had the one. In other words... Yes, Jesus was acquaintances with um, quote-unquote sinners or unbelievers, but his closest friends and his closest confidants were his disciples and uh, fellow um, believers in him. So what does that mean? It means this, carefully choose friends who are godly Christ followers. Carefully choose friends who are godly Christ followers. I think Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 7 in the Beatitudes, right? That don't throw holy things to the dogs that are unholy. And he says, don't give your pearls to what? To swine. Carefully choose friends who are godly Christ followers. And I think what it looks like, I understand the context Matthew 7, 6 of don't throw your pearls to swine. Jesus is talking about, hey, um, don't share the gospel to people who, who are just going to ridicule you and mock you and persecute you and beat you up and just kind of, um, you know, they're just going to trample all over the precious pearl of the gospel because uh, pigs don't appreciate pearls. But I think it could be applied in our relationships it, that if you, let's say, if your best friend is not a Christ follower and you say to her, it's like, you know what, my husband, man, you know, he's been spending too much time at his work. He hasn't been really around and, you know, I, I don't know what he's really into. And, you know, I'm really considering, you know, he's disrespected me and I'm just not feeling loved and, you know, I'm seriously considering divorce. And if, and you know, I'm just not happy. I, I don't know if he's my soulmate. My coworker, he's been spent, you know, he's been giving me a lot more attention than my own husband. And, you know, he says and he compliments me. And your unbelieving friend would just be like, yeah, go, you go girl, just dump him. You know, the, mo the most important thing is your happiness. You, you go get your soulmate if he's your true soulmate. It's like, first of all, there's no such thing as soulmate in the Bible. <laughs>
Secondly, it's like you can't throw this pearl of your heart and what you're struggling with in the core of the sanctity of marriage, you know, of hate and sickness and in health till death do us part. You know, as God is my witness in front of my friends and family, I will love you till the day of the, that I die. You don't share that with an unbeliever because what? They're just going to trample all over it. They don't understand the worth or the value. Have you, you know, you share something about your parents or your parenting your children. It's like, oh man, you know, I'm just really exercising self-control, but I really just want to just lick my kids and just put them in their place, you know. But your Christian friend would say, hey, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Ask the Holy Spirit to, that it would bear fruit, that, His, that the Holy Spirit would bear fruit in your actions and the words that you say. Instead of your friend who doesn't know the Lord, it's like, yeah, just smack them around. That, that way they'll learn, right? So carefully choose friends who are godly Christ followers. And lastly, we'll close with this is be the genuine friend that you want to have. Be the genuine friend that you want to have. In Proverbs chapter 27, verses 5 and 6, it says this, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. With all this talk about choosing and surrounding yourself with a godly Christ follower, may I conclude and encourage you that be the type of genuine friend that you want to have. You know, if you've been around in a genuine and a true friendship, you're going to wound each other. Sometimes we mean to do it, sometimes we don't mean to do it. But there's a specific kind of wound that Proverbs talks about where it's a wound. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Where it says, better is an open rebuke than hidden love. Like, oh, you got uh, eye boogers, bro. You got to get rid of it. You know, it's like, oh, you have something in your teeth. Yeah, it's better <laughs> openly to... Tell them, hey, you, there's something wrong than to hidden love. I know that's something simple and light, but when it comes to area, I was like, bro, where have you been? I haven't seen you at church. I love you enough, brother. Like, man, you're missing out. You know, Hebrew says, let's not neglect the assembly of the brethren. Bro, I'm going to text you. I'm going to call you before I leave. You need to be at church. Can I pray for you? Is there anything we can do to work together? Or it's like, man, sis, you, you know, you just called out your husband and, you know, publicly you kind of put him down. You kind of take jabs at him and you kind of ridicule him. And, you know, it seems like openly you're disrespecting him. I was like, sis, you can't do that. Like more than anything, you should support and uphold him and honor and revere him publicly you know see better is an open rebuke than a love that in that is hidden because there's wounds 
it might hurt for a while, but ultimately it's like, oh. right? In, in the book of Acts, when Peter preached the sermon, it says, and we were cut to the heart. It says wounds from the word of God cutting. It cut away hardness of heart. It cut away unbelief. In the same way, there's um, be the type of friend that would courageously speak the truth in love, who love you enough to tell you that you're going the wrong way, who love you enough to say, it's like, man, this is, you're carrying like a stink attitude and it's affecting everybody around you, bro. That you, that sis, you cannot be doing that. Like, I love you, but man, I just notice, you know, you're a little bit sharp with your kids, you know, and it's like, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. So faithful are the wounds of a friend, amen? Let's go ahead and pray. Jesus, we love you. We thank you, oh Lord God, um, for your grace and your mercies. And we pray, Lord, for um, just more of you in our lives. We pray that we would grow in our relationship with you and our relationship with one another. I pray, Lord, that we would choose our friends wisely, that we would surround, that we would do life with fellow Christians, Lord, who love you, who have that same passion, who have that same um, centeredness, Lord, of you in their lives. And so, Lord, would you do that so that our affection for you would grow deeper and closer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we love you guys. Thank you so much for joining us. And remember, we still have live in-person service, 5 p.m. at the Academy Learning Hub. Have an amazing week. We love you guys.